Be afraid. Hey guys, Torsten Kipton here, your host on the Be Afraid podcast. You know I'm dragging you along on the misadventures of a new horror author. And if you love yesterday's content, you are going to be thrilled with today's content because it's the same thing. I hate to let you down if that's uh, something you already listened to, but I did refine it and edit it. I just wasn't happy with some of the edits I had in there, so it's a lot cleaner now. The volume's better. There are no excessive pauses, so I hope that uh, you're all right with that. And for the new new listeners who haven't yet had a chance to listen to the whole thing, I think you're going to enjoy it. And it's also going to be up as a permanent podcast. So if you don't want to listen to it live today, go ahead and, well, download the podcast on your favorite app and have a great time. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. I'm going to have new content rolling out tomorrow. This is Torsten Kipton, your host on the Be Afraid podcast, where I drag you along on the misadventures of an aspiring and new horror author. Today we have a riveting episode about creative exercises. I'm going to go through several, and I think they're going to just increase in entertainment value and maybe in overall value for your practice. It's all about hitting different muscles creatively, and I'm also going to introduce a lot of new segments today. The first of which is a little segment I like to call, That Can't Be Right, but right spelled with a W because I love wordplay. I think you're going to love the story I got coming up. Listen here. Let me set the stage. Interior. Night. I sit in my armchair, as I often do. I'm sitting down at the computer late at night, fairly tired from the day's toils and the day's adventures. I had a great time with some friends earlier on, and I start doing some research. Start doing some research, as a matter of fact, on coffee subscription services. That's basically where they're just mailing coffee straight to your house on a regular basis. This is a way to add variety to your life, which, as you know, is spice. Variety is the spice of life, and I love spice. I was going to offer that to one of my friends. By offer it, I meant I was going to push it on them. And by push it on them, I mean I was going to give it as a gift. I sit up, doing the research, and I feel caffeinated just reading about it. When it comes a time that I realize I am at a turning point here, I can either continue to stay up way too late and be just dying in the morning, or I can choose to cut off this research and do something a little less uh, stimulating. I sit down to write because as you know, everything I put on the page is basically hypnotism. It's just so boring. So I sit down to write. I open up the document and immediately I am flooded with tryptophan. Okay. The sleep is slapping me in the face and I say, how pathetic. You were browsing the internet like a real scrub and you, then you open up the document to actually get some work done and you feel tired, too tired to work. You knew you had the energy five seconds ago. This is a long diatribe to deliver in five seconds. Uh, and you're also harassing yourself really hard. So I made a swerving left and I went a little off course, but listen to this. 
instead of not writing and not doing anything productive, I opened up my phone document where I keep different ideas, topics, and segments for the show. Why do I keep that on my phone? Couple of reasons. One, I'll be out in the wild and think of something. Need to write it down right then. Two, just the way that I, in the episode of Be Afraid, where we explored the environment and how that affects what you're doing and the outcome of it all, my phone is a different environment for my brain. I come up with different information when I sit down at a document on my phone. Slow as it is to tap it out with two thumbs rather than the eight working spidery fingers on my keyboard, it's oddly effective. It's almost as if the restriction on writing speed is an unfair advantage because I can never overwrite. I open up my phone and I start thinking of new segments. You've already gone through Plot Riff, that fun game where we make up stories from music. The second segment I thought of was That Can't Be Right, where I squash excuses. That's this right now. Then I had Bad Idea, question mark? Because I have bad ideas on a regular basis and I want to pitch them to you before I do them. The next one is Creative Exercise. Love to do a creative exercise besides Plot Riff with you on most shows. Another one is called Invent a New Segment, from which came Elevator Pitch. Elevator Pitch is just a ridiculous story idea. doesn't necessarily have the bones to become something publish-worthy, but I will elevator pitch you a story idea. If you want to use it, more blessings to you. Try it out. Another one. The next segment is hashtag story time. Not to be confused with story time, because this is a promo section, and then we have story time. So stay tuned. We're going to have story time. We're going to have a lot coming for you here. Coming up next is Plot Riff. If you were on Anchor, you're going to hear the song first from Spotify. If you're just on a podcast, don't worry. I'm going to let you know what the song is. You can go look it up on Spotify or your favorite music service. Listen to it. Come up with your own plot. Come right back, and I will be right back with you. And we're back. Before I dive right into Plot Riff... I want to remind you of the premise and share with you an anecdote to demonstrate how it works. Plot Riff is an exercise where you sit down, usually with friends, or if you're me, uh, all by yourself, you play a song, listen to the music, to the lyrics, and from this, spontaneously create a movie plot. And the reason I say movie plot is because movies generally have a little bit of a more smooth flowing simple structure to them and you can just imagine easily these actors that you've been watching for years and years filling in little gaps in your imagination plot riff is a great game last time i played it i fully intended to share the gold with you but my friend lucas and i recorded in the mountains where there's no available internet at that moment the result was that he had some fantastic idea that didn't get out. So I'm going to share that with you now. We listened to this song, Don't Fear the Reaper, classic 80s rock. The main lyrics are, Don't Fear the Reaper, Baby Take My Hand. From that, Lucas came up with a plot about a charismatic womanizer who romances women and then convinces them to commit suicide and they call him the Reaper. So he's convincing them 
these victims of his that there is more to death than life and he wants to spare them the ravages of time so we kind of riffed on that for a minute I established that the Reaper would be played by Ryan Gosling. Don't know how many lawsuits that's going to get me, but I love it. Ryan Gosling as the Reaper who convinces these women to kill themselves. He's a psychopath. He actually had a troubled childhood, and after he hurt the family pet, he had a psychologist, and this psychologist used hypnotic techniques to correct his behavior. He, being as genius as he is, picked those techniques up instead of being, you know, effectively treated with them. That was all unbeknownst to the doctor who was trying to treat him. Very, very sharp, very dangerous. And who does he meet in the second act, but an even more intelligent woman who he has targeted as his next victim. However, she is five times smarter than he is. She manipulates him into committing suicide. She does it through a long, drawn-out third act where she's pretended to commit suicide and pretended to come back and haunt him. And despite him being the most atheistic person you know, uh, and a psychopath, so highly logical and all that, he's basically being broken down from the inside because she used his personal touches that uh, he used to reach out and touch her and convince her that it was time to die to turn it around and make him die. In this next segment, I'm going to play another song completely at random from Spotify for you. And here's the thing about Spotify. It's all about tailoring the music to your tastes. I don't want to create any bias for this by tailoring it to my tastes. So right off the bat, we're gonna use something ludicrously random and may or may not like it, but I want you to listen to it and decide for yourself what your own plot would be. I will come back to you and give you mine right afterward. Although you probably just listened to the song on your own, I'm going to play it again while we play the game from a from a playlist called Your Favorite Coffee House as a little nod to the specialty coffee podcast which you should definitely listen to here we go first song this is called birds of a feather by harmales i have the benefit of a cover as well Okay, I don't know how much of this I can play consecutively without commentary before it becomes copyright infringement. But I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it playing while I talk in the background here. It's very pretty. Very, very pretty. It looks like it's a duet between uh, two women. Okay, so I'm going to say that this is a actually a digital movie. So it's a uh, one of those digitally animated Pixar films. Okay, it's it is in fact about birds, uh, two birds of very d- 
different sorts. One of them is a raptor, a carnivore, and its prey would ordinarily be the robin or the blue jay. So I like to imagine robin because it's such so much of a better name. There's a character named Robin. There's a raptor. Could easily be a falcon or a hawk. Why not a female falcon? How about that? And they learn to fly in harmony. They're not going to uh, be the predator and prey that they were taught to be. Although the uh, severe differences come in when the uh, Robin realizes that there is nothing for the raptor to do except for either starve or eat other living things. Meanwhile, the robin has their own uh, frame of judgment where the living things that they eat, like worms and bugs and all kinds of even smaller critters, uh, calls into question their, their judgment on the larger bird eating something that's conscious. These are talking talking characters, so these are people, uh, which really makes that a messy situation for me to iron out into a solid plot. Sometimes there's no solid plot, and it's all just pretty music and fun characters. I imagine it would conclude with some interesting, violent dance between uh, flocks. How's that? So that was a brief entry into Plot Riff. Hope you liked it. And if not, don't worry. We have lots more segments for you today. Welcome back and congratulations if you made it through the whole song or the whole Plot Riff. That was some fun. I found it very challenging. The ideas don't always spring to mind, but the point of a mental exercise is like any other exercise. You need to exert yourself, stretch, and mentally lift more than you wanted to. More than is comfortable. We always talk about comfort zones and hashtag comfort zone, hashtag smashed. The next segment is going to be bad idea, question mark. I love phrasing it that way because it's like the question mark is... The question marks is what's pitched at you. Bad idea is just what I say. Here's my bad idea. I have a channel on YouTube, which is called Narrative Audio Network. And that's what this show is part of. Be Afraid is part of the Narrative Audio Network. On that channel, I also have Salty Chef videos, which are super low quality as part of the brand cooking videos. And uh, they're also low quality because it takes me no time at all, but I think they're entertaining, and if you don't, then, you know, downvote me and tweet me nasty things. So, we're at this segment, Bad Idea. My next bad idea is to produce even more video content for you. I hear people like video content and have eyeballs, mostly, so I thought, why not vlog the quest? Yeah? I mean, I have what they call a face made for radio, which is why I'm doing a podcast. But why not also have the radio voice put to work while I put my mug in front of the camera. So that was my bad idea for the day. What if I did writing exercises or calligraphy practice or all kinds of these things on camera and made little vlogs for you about it? Just documenting the quest. Coming up 
Our next segment is going to be a genuine creative exercise. I'm going to do things like write. I'm going to blow your mind with the spontaneous, low quality, first draft garbage that I spit out with additional constraints to make it harder. How does that sound? All right. Well, I'll be right back with you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for a creative exercise coming right up. Take a walk with me back through history lane, as they would say on Dynamic Banter, a podcast that maybe you should or shouldn't listen to. It's very weird humor, and that is relevant because what we're about to write as a exercise is very weird humor. Again, we're walking back in time to think of when my friend Lucas and I played Plot Riff. We just went through Plot Riff, but I thought you might have forgot. If you skipped it because your ears were bleeding, from how poor an idea I thought of, worry not, it's not important. What is important is that Lucas is a cool guy, I should probably hang out with him more because he's very creatively stimulating. The first time that I knew that Lucas and I were going to be good, good friends, we sat down at this little Belize-themed party. We were sitting down enjoying bread pudding, which my friend and myself had made. When he says to me, he grabs me firmly by the wrist before I get a bite in my mouth and he says, you have to tell me how it tastes, but in the most poetic way that you can. I look him in his twinkling brown eyes and I say, absolutely. And so we enjoy bite after bite of this delicious French toast-like wonderful custard, crispy, creamy wonderland of adventure and almost every bite we go into some elaborate purple overly flowery prose about it it was loads of fun the people around us thought one uh what goofballs and two a little bit impressive which is lots of fun so uh that's what i'm gonna do for you but in a different way i'm going to describe another food as elaborate purple prose once you hear a few I think you'll agree that it's a fun game that you and your friends can try while you eat, if you're into the whole sensory experience. Stay tuned, I'm going to throw some of these ridiculous anecdotes at you and describe food and its flavors. Welcome back, I cooked up something I think you're really going to like, and this segment is called Tastes Purple. You could also call the game Tastes Like That because basically I'm going to use this elaborate prose to describe something and then just end it simply, it tastes like that. It's gonna be loose, metaphorical. This one I feel may appeal more to women than men, but if you're a guy, stay tuned. Maybe you can use some of these as tips. Uh, yeah, Maestro Torsen Kipton at your service. I even spontaneously wrote you some introduction prose for this. This is, Maybe a little self-indulgent, but isn't self-indulgent prose and poetry the very mark of the writer? I guess. Here we go. The point of Tastes Purple is to, in a meandering way, illuminate your mind with sensory description and immersive whimsy, to submerge your consciousness in the pool of prose and bubble over with enthusiasm until you can feel the same ripples that I do. How much too much is too much really? 
Will my prose explode and send you reeling? My descriptions may be a bit extreme, but I'm just trying to paint a scene. Listen close, you'll hear buttery toast, crisp like autumn, gently roast, and grapes so fresh they steal your breath, yet turn to Riesling at your request. I'm going to start with something imaginary. Stay tuned for when I read the whole thing. It will be rose water and grapefruit juice. How's that? How does rose water and grapefruit juice taste? Let me set the scene. Before you, a silver spigot perches paradoxically on a wooden coffee table. You sit on the plush couch before it, and the handle calls to you. So polished a machination for drawing nectar from deep in the earth you have never seen. In the glimmering reflection of the wide spout, you see yourself. You fancy the reflection is flattering. The yellow brush behind you mingles its hues with the four pink flowers potted and precariously seated on the coffee table, and these bless your skin with a warm, healthy blush. You grasp the spigot handle and press it down. Aromas gush forth even before the cool pink liquid splashes your feet. The bright, flowery foam tickles your toes. Your lips pucker with a smile and you melt into the sofa and exhale, the scent of roses soft on your lips. Sharing this exercise with you wouldn't be much help if I didn't walk you through how that came to be. This again is First Draft, also known to most authors as Hot Trash. It's raw and it's going to stay that way because I'm not going to publish it necessarily. It starts with a scene and a central object. Before you, a silver spigot perches paradoxically on a wooden coffee table. The reason I used a silver spigot is one, it's a little bit mystical. It's on a coffee table, meaning it cannot be drawing from the earth. It's sitting on top of a table. So a spigot normally used for a, you know, water pump at a well. This kind of is a whimsical detachment from reality. I think that gives me more license by starting out abstract or surreal. It gives me more license to continue in whimsical directions. And it's a lot more fun if you have the broad brush of whimsy for this exercise rather than the fine-tipped pen of precision and reality. After that, I gave you some sensory detail that you're sitting on a plush couch, soft. That's the kind of sensory detail that I wanted you to have for grapefruit juice and rose water. I want you to picture something soft, but it's also bright, so we're gonna get into that. First, you're going to reflect on something that you enjoy, the polished machination for drawing nectar from deep in the earth you have never seen. Now, I had to edit this sentence if I read it the way it was written, which was, so polished a machination for drawing lifeblood from deep in the earth you have never seen. Lifeblood is a little morbid in its connotation, which is why I reached for it automatically. Horror author, if you don't remember. What works much better here is 
nectar because it's pleasant, sweet, and fruity. I often have to fight my instinct to present even these pleasant and simple things in ways that are uncanny and challenging. Uncanny and challenging are kind of my strengths, so I lean on those a lot. This is an exercise in something else than uh, increasing what is already strengths. So that wouldn't be the ideal exercise anyway. After that, I go to the reflection of yourself in the wide spout, and I start to paint a picture with color. And I like to do that through reflecting light and through beaming it off of other objects. It infers that you can sense and extrapolate more from your environment than is realistically possible. That draws a little bit more relevance into the scene that's been painted so far and what's coming up later. So the colors I'm using are the yellow brush and those four pink flowers. I picked a random small number. A specific number is much more convincing than even you know, something like a few. You grasp the spigot handle and press it down. Here's a little bit of word association because you press fruit for its juice. I love word association. I love homonyms and using various words in an unexpected way. And again, this all just came out in the realm of 20 minutes and I didn't edit it a lot. So that's not going to be thick on the pros. I talked about aromas first. First thing after you press it down had to be a punchy detail. Aromas gush forth even before the cool pink liquid splashes your feet. So here the details are rushing out to meet you. I front stacked the sentences with the important part, the important subjects, the nouns like aroma, and let people know that the anticipation that the precariously placed flowers in this paradoxical object have built up for them are going to pay off in a way that's got a little zest, a little pizzazz in it. Then I basically close with surprising the listener perhaps. I just leave them a little mystified by leaving it off, not allowing you to drink the stuff, only to experience it in other ways. And if we're doing an abstraction, that's really what we want. exercise like that one is more about mental flexibility than anything. So you might call it a mental stretch. Is that a stretch? It's important to think about flexibility when you're an artist or you're creating new content. If you want to innovate, you have to stretch to new places and bend in new ways that others have not, that others don't very often. Here's an important thing to keep in mind though, is that being a creative is not all about being a tortured goobly gook. Uh, no one has a clue how to relate to you because you're just weird and off the wall. That's not so productive in the end. What we actually want is to have a balance of strengths. Flexibility is just one of them. If you think about it, flexibility on its own is useless. I mean, water is flexible and you really can't build much with it, right? Bruce Lee famously said, water is adaptable. Put water in a cup, it becomes the cup. Put it in a teapot, the water becomes the teapot. Water can flow or it can crash. Be water, my friend. 
and that was a way of telling martial artists to be looser or more adaptable with their styles, which is what he was all about. Let me contrast that with a Torsen Kipton slash Salty Chef tip. Don't be water. It has no flavor or aroma of its own, and it's only good at conforming and extracting flavor from other things. Completely derivative. Be grapefruit juice with rose water instead. Exciting, unique, and zesty. Imagining the things that no one even experiences so you can bring them novelty for sure. Ain't nobody drinking rose water grapefruit juice that I can think of. In an attempt to harness this show with just a modicum of structure, I'm going to be using a lot of segments. This segment is called Hashtag Storytime. Uh, it's basically a small spot where I can plug something. I know I've already talked to you a little bit about the Specialty Coffee Talk podcast, and I wanted to tell you a hashtag story about perhaps the easiest way to inspire the kind of flowery prose that you heard with a fresh, icy bottle of Bowtie Cold Brew Coffee. Let me regale you a tale of when Bowtie taught me to have a sense of taste. I'll give it in brief because I already told a bit of this story on the Specialty Coffee Talk podcast titled Social Coffee. I'd never liked coffee before. I guess you could say it left a bitter taste in my mouth. Why would anyone spend the effort and time to acquire a taste for such a thing, I thought. And then Eric told me that there were flavor notes and qualities hidden inside, which I could unlock with the power of the schnoz. No, we didn't snort drugs. We smelled high-end coffee beans. I smelled the beans whole, and knowing that I liked to cook, Eric asked me to compare them with three foods. I started with blueberry, and his eyebrows went up. We got around to grinding and then brewing the coffee, and I tasted flavors that, once experienced, could never be bottled again. But I was wrong. They could. Soon after, Eric started his business, Bowtie Cold Brew Coffee, and unleashed flavors on the world in ways they had never tasted before. With the best beans and a 20-hour immersed extraction at near-freezing temperatures, the purest incarnation of coffee was born. Sweet, distinctive, and so clean and smooth, it slides down easier than water. Now, I drink Bowtie Cold Brew Coffee every chance I get, confident that the care and craftsmanship colors every sip. Welcome back for our last official segment on this episode of Be Afraid. This is another exercise I'm going to call Elevator Pitch. This is probably a terrible elevator pitch because to deliver this one, you need to talk really fast. The idea behind an elevator pitch is that you have a short, concise, punchy description of the thing that you are pitching, the book you want to write, or the book you're trying to sell, you're using so little time that if you caught someone in the elevator, you can get it the whole thing out before the elevator stopped. So I'm going to 
throw out what I wrote last night. I started this podcast bringing the whole bookend thing on it, like how I'm keeping it hashtag thematic books. Huh? So we're bookending this episode with the elevator pitch that I wrote last night as the uh, feature of that can't possibly be right. So here it is, my elevator pitch. A Mad Max-style death race ensues, where the object is to race the slowest and longest possible. Reason? The object is to elude a heat-seeing reptilian predator. This started as a necessity for survival, but as technology advanced, it became a televised sport. Sadly, this skill is still necessary, and those who are best at it are recruited away from the real-world version to the entertainment version, leaving those large reptiles to attack the innocent. The sport version is at least as deadly. A woman with an agenda artificially inflates the danger to keep bloodthirsty viewers happy, but the brainworms make it uncomfortably clear that she's doing it for her own gratification, turning dead racers against those remaining? Monstrous. Because the object is to out-survive all opponents, violent conflict seems a given. Yet, this is incongruous with each racer's self-preservation, because more opponents means the monster will spend less time hunting them. Tense alliances are formed and broken, lives lost, blood spilled, and then the race goes way off the tracks when a resistance group blows a hole in the arena, letting the racers escape the artificially dangerous arena for an even more dangerous reality in the outside world. Those carrying out the real job will fume with envy when they see the high-tech hardware that the sports drivers are piloting. The protagonist, a reclusive young woman, will meet someone she knows out there and realize that things are much worse than they seem. Also, they're British, which is my favorite detail and I think a great selling point to punctuate with, don't you? This has been an episode of Be Afraid. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate on iTunes or Google Play and, you know, applaud, put your hands together, all that on Anchor. Favorite the station if you liked what you heard and, you know, share it with a friend if you think there's someone else who likes creative and creating tips type content, then this will be the episode that they will dig maybe more than anything else. Thanks again for listening. You guys have a great and creative day.